Support for WPR comes from Luther College in Decorah, Iowa, a community where students are invited to learn actively, lead courageously, and live purposefully for a lifetime of impact. More about Luther College at luther.edu. Support for WPR comes from Rutabaga Paddle Sports, offering kayaks, canoes, and outdoor equipment for anyone wanting to experience the natural beauty of Wisconsin water. 2620 Rimrock Road in Madison or rutabagashop.com. Zorba Pastor on Your Health is pre-recorded. From Buck Studio at Wisconsin Public Radio, this is Zorba Pastor on Your Health. I'm Carl Christensen, and I'm here with family doc Zorba Pastor. We'll spend the next hour with you in our virtual doctor's office. Although, Zorba, we're missing that faint smell of off-gassing commercial carpeting and furniture. Oh, you know, it's, it's carpeting. Got, it's a little bit of the alcohol weird, to wash, yeah. wash the instruments, you know, and then and then the din and then the beep sometimes calling doctor. Yeah, there's no know. beeps. Yeah, there's no, no intercom beeps. or anything. Yeah, we know, need, can we start that, to get yeah, all that stuff thing. in here? Yeah, maybe? Yeah. All right, anyways, we'll talk healthy living. We'll walk you through a healthy recipe. We'll get to some of your phone calls and emails and a few voicemails as well. Well, and if you have a question for the good doc, the number to call anytime is 800-462-7413. And along with those calls, we'll discuss a few healthy living topics, Zorba. Right. We're going to talk about bee stings for arthritis, some interesting stuff. Been around for a long time, and maybe it's time to move on to using it for rheumatoid arthritis Mm. and other things. And then we're going to talk about bottled water. Is it safe? What about nanoplastics? Mm. And what's in the bottled water that you think is pristine? It is not pristine. Let's talk about bottled water and what the water companies have sold us over the years. I want to hear about that. And what is the special recipe today? And Dewey sausage rice pan. And Dewey sausage, Mm. of course, is Typical sausage that you get in New Orleans, really good sausage. You can use other things in it, but if you like nice, spicy, delicious, full umami foods that you like, this is a rice pot that is sure to please. All right. The phones we go at 800-462-7413. That's 1-800-462-7413. All right. Let's help out our first caller now. This is a listener in Norman, Oklahoma. Hi. Hi. How can we help? Well, thank you for taking my call. A couple of weeks ago, um, the doctor uh, addressed a caller who was calling about poor circulation in their feet, mm-hmm. and he recommended uh, compression stockings right. and right. getting out and moving. Right. My question is uh, my right arm. It's constantly having poor circulation. It doesn't matter if I'm sleeping or if I'm driving or working on my computer or writing anything. How long, how long has this gone on for? Several months, mm-hmm. eight months maybe. Yeah, any injuries to that at all? Have you nope. fallen, dislocated arm or anything like that? Huh. No. Hmm. Circulation, any change in color in your hands and your fingers? Is it affected by cold at all? No, it doesn't no? matter mm-hmm. what temperature it is. So pins and needles in your hands, in your wrist, in your arm itself, or just in your hand or in your wrist? The entire length of my arm. Uh-huh. Well, something's going on. <clears throat> so first of all, something's going on. And I think you need an evaluation. I'll tell you why. So first of all, there are a couple things that could happen. If it's only in your wrist and your hand, can be carpal tunnel syndrome. We have a treatment for that. And it's not circulatory. It's a neurological thing. So that's one thing that it can be. But circulation, if it's a circulatory system in your arm, the question is why? I mean, in the, uh, in the legs, when you fall asleep, you know, you're pushing on an artery, kind of know, well know what it feels like. But in the arm, it's pretty unusual that something like that happens all the time. And the question is, is there anything in your body that's pushing on any of the arteries? In other words, is there something up in the axilla that's doing it? Uh, there's something called also thoracic outlet syndrome, which can be a circulatory issue. I think you ought to have it looked at if it continues. That's, that's what I would do. If I, if I had you as my patient, first thing I'd do is bring you in, and I would do uh, – there's a way that we can do a circulatory study, which is pretty easy, non-invasive, and can make sure the circulation is okay in your arms and in your legs, your blood pressure is correct in both sides. I'd have this looked at. Especially if it's going on for a few months. So 
you recommend a circulatory I would, study? Uh, that's right. I'd call your doctor and say, I don't really know. It sounds like a circulatory study. And there are easy studies that can be done where they actually look at it. But a circulatory study is going to answer the question of whether or not this is circulation or it's neurological. And then the next step is why. Okay. Thank you. Thank well, you th- for taking and my thank- call. And thanks for listening. I love, I've gone to Oklahoma numerous times, and I really like it. I like it in downtown Oklahoma where the areas where you have the sort of the races. I think it's the, you know, we've got races on the canal. I don't know what you call the canal yeah. there. Canadian River, yes. The Canadian River. That's it. Canadian River. And then I love going to that great place for steak. Is it uh, Rand? I don't remember the name of it. It's a famous steak place where they give Cattleman? you- Cattleman? Yes. Yes. <laughs> the best steak in the world. Absolutely. Right in the stockyard. Absolutely <laughs> worth flying to Oklahoma City in a private jet. Oh, sure. Getting a steak. Yeah. Carl's going to no do that. Problem. And coming back. <laughs> We're going to America. It is the best steak because you're also, you're around all the other people are eating steak. You know, you have the occasional fish people, but they're all eating steak and it is the best steak. Cattleman's right. You got it. <laughs> well, good. Okay. Thank you for the Thanks. call. Thanks. Thanks. Take care. Thanks so much for that call. Yeah, I'm taking my jet. Taking oh, you are? Okay. Jet. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I'll drive maybe. <laughs> 800-462-7413. That's 1-800-462-7413. All right. Before we get into our first topic today, Zorba, we always appreciate when our listeners chime in and lend their ideas for what to discuss on the show. So here's an email from a listener named Rich in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Dr. Zorba, thanks for a great show. I raised honeybees for years, and I heard some folks would use them for medicinal purposes. They would give themselves a bee sting occasionally to treat all sorts of diseases, arthritis being one. I thought it was nutty. I now have osteoarthritis in one of my knees, and it has caused chronic pain for the last five years or so with limited range of motion. Last fall, I was hiking in the mountains and Mm -hmm. stepped into a hornet nest and was stung immediately about six times before I got away from them. I can't imagine. That's not fun. Can't you imagine? No. Not fun. No. Uh, No No. major reactions to their stings besides the nasty pain that lasted Mm -hmm. just a couple days. Mm -hmm. But a day later, I noticed my knee pain was virtually gone, Uh and I have suddenly a full range of motion, and I'm still pain-free. Wow. Is there any Uh science to the Uh use of bee venom Uh for arthritis treatment? Well, well, first of all, there's there's been intermittent science about bee venom over the years. But let me me explain. The GLP, uh, the GLP-1 inhibitors, uh, Ozempic being you know the, the major inhibitor that we see right now because causes weight loss. But the first one, it was Victoza, and it was the one before Victoza, came from Gila monster venom. Wow. Interesting. Gila monster venom. The reptile or lizard the, or Yeah, whatever, whatever it is. And I, is. who knows why they decided <laughs> to do it. But I still remember a really good friend of mine who was an investor said that he was investing in the company that was doing this because he liked Gila monsters. And I hmm. said, wow, that's really interesting. He put some money in it. Let me just tell you, it. he put it in when it was a dollar a share and then oh. sold it when it was more than a dollar sure. a share. Okay. And that's why he drives a better car than I do. He's flying anyway, in a private jet to get stakes flying, in Oklahoma. He's flying the private jet. <laughs> that's exactly right. That's funny. I like it. But getting back to the issues, so we know there's a lot out there in the biological systems that may be useful because the GLP-1s really basically come from that. But bee venom injection is something that has been used on and off. Now, the, the problem is it's painful. Mm-hmm. You inject the venom, it's got a whole bunch of substances that are really bad for you. It's painful, it's uncomfortable, it's got anticoagulant within the substances there, extracting bee venom, giving it to people. But there was an article in 2018 uh, about bee venom, and 50% of the the bees have something called melatonin, uh, M-E-L-L-I-T-T-I-N. It's got a bunch of different amino acids, and they've got some antibacterial, anti-inflammatory properties. Uh, And so there's a study where they've given bee venom to rats who, believe it or not, have arthritis, and then the rats move better with bee Hmm. venom. You know, so, and they've also looked at people who have difficult to control uh, rheumatoid arthritis who use a drug called methotrexate. The problem is it's painful. Mm -hmm. And so... It's hard to get people to actually do it and want it. And so there's, there should be more data on bee venom. And the question is, can we extract, which they haven't done, mm-hmm. bee venom and make it less painful? Right. In other words, are there aspects of the venom that actually will not hurt? Now, 
we can't forget that the most common venom death in the United States is not from rattlesnakes. There may be three people a year who die from rattlesnakes. Mm-hmm. But there are about 500 to 1,000 people who die a year from bee venom. Right, if Bee venom, wasp venom. Right. Well, you don't know if you're allergic to you have yeah. it. I had a patient of mine. He got stung. He didn't think much of it. Was driving in his car literally 20 minutes later. Felt bad. He was with his wife. Pulled off to the side. She called 911 because he collapsed in the car. Wow. They came, got him, and brought him, gave him some epinephrine and brought him to the hospital. And he, to his knowledge, was never stung before. Wow. In other words, it might have been. So it's not as if you have. You know before mm-hmm. if the bee venom is going to bother you or not. So, And then once you get stung, you're more likely to have a reaction if you get stung a second, third, or fourth time. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Because you develop – well, because it's bad stuff, your body manages to develop it. So that's why the research isn't good. This guy is better with it. Mm-hmm. He didn't step in the hornet's nest. Um if he wanted to, he could raise bees in his backyard. Well, that's what could my raise, wife's grandpa did. That's right. He was a beekeeper, yeah, and he had uh, arthritis uh-huh. in his hands. And, and I've, I've talked yeah. about this on the show oh, before. what did he say? He would get yeah. purposely stung in and his, what thing, his knuckles, yeah. fingers, yeah. And, and it completely helped his arthritis. Oh, you see? Well, yeah. that's it. So it works You know, for what we really people. have to do is look at people who have arthritis, older beekeepers, because they get stung. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they love what they're doing. They just don't want to go to the store. They want to get their own honey. Oh, they love the, the whole it's thing. It's the best honey you can it's get. It's really good. It's good <laughs> honey. And they're wonderful. I love going and watching it. You know, I, I've garbed it's up. fascinating. And but we ought to see. I'll, I'll do some research and see if there are any studies about beekeepers and rheumatoid and osteoarthritis mm-hmm. to see whether or not they, because that would be a natural way mm-hmm. to see that. And when your grandpa, you know, he's, a, he's an N of one, but this person, Person makes it like two people. Interesting stuff. Very interesting. I still would not recommend people go out and stung by bees, but if you're a beekeeper and your arthritis is better, please send us an email there at Zorba at WPR.org, Zorba at WPR.org. Or if, uh, if anyone else out there has had an experience being stung and their arthritis or arthritic symptoms went away, I would love to hear from you. 800-462-7413. That's one 800 Four six two seven four one three. Call us anytime and leave a voicemail for the show. Let's go to a voicemail now. This is a listener from Hortonville, Wisconsin. Hi, Dr. Zorba. I need to kvetch a little, if you will allow <laughs> me. Yes. Uh, at the beginning of the pandemic in 2020, uh, when I knew we were in for a long haul, I got on the scale and at five feet, two inches tall, weighed 225 pounds. So not good. So I decided that isolation was going to do one of two things. I was either going to gain a great deal more weight or I could do something about it. So fortunately, I chose the latter. Long story short, I adopted the Mediterranean diet per your advice um, and started walking and over the course of a year dropped 65 pounds. So here I am. Uh, I kept it off, went to my GP, whom I adore, for a physical and he congratulated me. My numbers were great and everything was better. And But then I looked at the printout that they give you at the end of the visit. And it still said uh, 66-year-old obese female. And I went, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute here. Where does the obese come from? And he told me that at 5 feet 2, according to the BMI, I'm still considered medically obese. And I sat there. And made him change it. I said, you can write plump, overweight, zoftig, lovely Yiddish word, love that word. I don't care what you put there, but get rid of obese. And to his credit, he did. Now, here's my question. Why is BMI still a thing? If you look at the history of it, it was brought about by white guys in Europe who did not take into account gender, Uh, ethnicity, all of which have an impact on what is a healthy weight and what is not a healthy weight. So how do you feel about BMIs, Dr. Z? Thanks. I love your show. Thank you very much. You can see I have all comments on it. So first of all, let's go to BMI for just a minute. If you are an athletic 25-year-old wrestler Mm -hmm. and you use BMI, it will show you as obese. Okay. Obese. Right. Wrestler. 19-year-old. 
may have one or two percent body fat, mm-hmm. and it shows you're obese because you've got too much volume, too much volume based on your height. In other okay. words, just a volume thing. Like how much if you took your body count and you stuffed it into a cylinder, mm-hmm. what's the volume of your body? Okay. And that's kind of what it is. And and it was made up for a bunch of things. Now, if we look back, when you were you know, let me ask you a question. Okay. Okay. This is a really significant I hope question. I'm ready for this. Yeah, yeah. So when I was a kid, they used to have scales around outside, and you would put a penny or a dime in it for your weight. Did they ever have that when you were a kid? I've seen those. You've yeah, seen them? I've seen those. You, know, you don't you, see them much anymore, but I remember. No, yeah. but they were, they were all around. I remember I mean, those. it was a way to get a little extra money, whatever it was, in like in front of a store. And it's also when people had change. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't yeah, change. Yeah, people them. had pennies. And then they would have a little thing on there which would tell your proper weight. Mm. That was based on life insurance tables mm. because they were the people who basically looked at it and said, if you are a weight and a certain height, you're more likely to die, so we're going to charge more for life insurance. Sure. That's probably a better thing to use. But then we popped into BMAY. It's got lots of numbers in it. It's got a squared and it's metered. I can't, I don't remember exactly the formula right now. I can't, but it's mm-hmm. basically height versus weight. And it misses a whole bunch of things. Seems like and, it. So, first of all, why are we using the word obese? That's a terrible term. We don't really have a good word that's not there. Overnourished. And then we use okay. the word overnourished. But I mean, husky, we don't have a good word. But mm-hmm. obese is derogatory. Mm-hmm. I, th- I mean, I think it's a derogatory term. And then if you have it, all of a sudden it becomes on the problem list. Then you got to get somebody remove it out of, out of your electronic problem list. And here it is. She lost 50 pounds. Right. That's an amazing loss. Mm-hmm. And it says, well, you're still overweight. Well, it means she may st- still be somewhat overweight, but why don't we celebrate the 50 pounds? Mm-hmm. How do we do that? How do we do it on the printout of the electronic medical record? There are a lot of issues here when you get the piece of paper and you look at it and said, I didn't know that I had that. Well, nobody discussed that with me. So there are many, many issues involved. Getting back to the BMI, it turns out that the girth around your tummy might be a better predictor of whether or not you're going to die from a heart attack or not. And it may be that we should go to that because it shows that abdominal obesity and belly fat around your belly appears to be a greater predictor of uh, of what it is versus BMI. Hmm. But I think we should start a movement against BMI. I think it's really... It seems pretty outdated. It seems it pretty is outdated. simplistic. I mean... Right. It's outdated. It's simplistic. It's easy to calculate. And so we've been using it. And the fact is, it's really not a good measurement. So she brings up a good point. And I, as you can tell, I'm on an anti-BMI rant. Mm -hmm. And if anyone is against BMIs, write me, Zorba, at (laughs) WPR.org. If you've got a BMI story that you want to share with us, you could be on the show. Mm -hmm. Give them the number, Carl. Well, the number to call is 800-462-7413. That's one 800 Four six two seven four one three. We want to hear from all the BMI haters. You can leave a voice message. What about the BMI lovers? There might be some. Well, BMI you know what? Lovers. If there's a BMI, if know. there is a BMI lover Maybe. out there, you can also chime in, <laughs> and we will give you time on the show. That's right. That's right. The BMI wars on Zorba Vaster on your health. Isn't that a song? BMI lover. I'm pretty you sure know it what? is by you know, Labouche. You know, you know something? You know something? If there's not a song, <laughs> I bet you you guys could easily come up with a song about how much you love BMI. That's I think right. it goes like this. Be a my lover, won't you be a... <laughs> right? Brett, thumbs up yeah. from Brad. See, there on it the, is. On the little bush call there out. There it is. We got 800 468 we so- We're going to play it, folks. We're going to play it. <laughs> oh, put some reverb on that, please. 800-462-7413. That's one 800 Four six two seven four one three. All right, before the break, Zorba, as you know, we get so many questions from our wonderful listeners, but we also get voicemails from the folks who just want to share a comment or a health tip. So it's time for the segment we call Caller Comments. This is a bunch of caller comments. People calling us with their health tips. Thanks, we appreciate it. We do appreciate it. We do. All right, Zorba. On a previous show, we were talking about RLS, Mm -hmm. restless leg syndrome, Mm -hmm. and we received a flurry of tips and remedies from listeners. Mm -hmm. So I put together a little medley for you to hear and ponder. (laughs) I have a comment about the restless leg syndrome. I find that caffeine kicks it up really bad. My aunt used to have it really bad, and she said the only way she'd get rid of it was to sleep on the hard floor. I've had restless leg syndrome for years, 
and nobody's ever found anything for it until they gave me R-O-P-I-N-R-O-L-E, one milligram, and that worked. But if I take one of those pills in the morning and take one at night, pretty much I don't have the spasms anymore. Try taking Essential 84 Himalayan salt, either for restless legs or cramps in the legs. There's a home remedy. You can put a sliver of bar soap, a thin sliver, under the sheets of your bed, and supposedly some people swear that works for restless legs. Bar soap? Hmm. What if it's like ivory or dial? That's, I, I don't, don't think it matters. Olive. I think so. it's just any mm-hmm. soap, but uh-huh. yeah. Um, uh-huh. well, was, think, but there's some really good points. First yeah. of all, the music, let me tell you, I like the music. Do you know that song? Music. It sounds really familiar. I, it's it the, was like it, around it, Alfred Hitchcock uh, things. That's what it brings up. <laughs> it's a soap it's a, opera theme from oh, The Young and the Restless. Oh, is that what it is? It's the Young and the Restless. I probably listened to it. My mom listened to it. My mom watched that show. It was always, you know, always kind of like melancholy. Yeah. Kind of like it we used it for others. But it brings up a good point. Restless leg syndrome is common. A lot of people there have it. There are some medications, like, yeah. and there are a lot of alternative remedies that help. And we really appreciate when people mm-hmm. phone those in. And, and Akara, I really appreciate your appreciation <laughs> of music that was the young and the restless. Let's All get right. on with the show. Okay, do you have a health tip for the show? <laughs> yes, you do. Don't Everyone sleep does. on it. Just send us an email at... Zorba at WPR.org. And you can do that in the middle of the night, too. Anytime. If the restless legs <laughs> are keeping you up or you have insomnia. I stretch my legs, and that helps with RLS oh, it is for actually me. That yeah. does help. It helps Stretching a lot. the legs right before you go makes, to bed. makes a big difference. There's just something about, yeah, stretching makes it helped a lot. Mm-hmm. All right, we have an andouille sausage rice pot we recipe do, coming up, along it's with good. more of your phone calls, more emails, and more of your voicemails mm-hmm. right here on Zorba Pastor on your, on health, your health from PRX, the Public Radio Exchange. Carl Christensen in Buck Studio with Dr. Zorba Pastor. He's right over there answering questions. And if you have a question, 800-462-7413. That's 1-800-462-7413. Call anytime. Leave us a voicemail if you'd like. But before we get back to those calls, Zorba, let's do the recipe. We have andouille sausage rice pot. That's right. Now, uh... Have, you've had andouille sauce. Oh, I love it. Yeah, yeah. it's got a little spice yeah. to it. Yeah. 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 And so what I do, I mean, it's a New Orleans thing. Mm-hmm. And I've been in New Orleans numerous times. I've been on floats, uh, sometimes inebriated, sometimes not inebriated. Got to be careful on Ooh. that float. Full disclosure. But anyway, full, full disclosure. <laughs> uh, you got to be careful. But I love New Orleans food, and andouille sausage is wonderful. And I've been using it intermittently for years. You can use other sausages in this recipe. You can use, of course, Polish sausage. There are a whole bunch of different sausages. Oh, yeah. Don't we you know, know it in Wisconsin? Yeah, that's right. In We're Wisconsin. Full of sausages I mean, we are kind here. of the, you know, probably after cheese, we are the sausage capital <laughs> of the United States because yeah. of the German influence. Sure. That's probably it. Yep. But this is an andouille sausage rice pot. So start out with one. It's 13 and a half ounce, 14 ounces of andouille sausage. Get yourself an andouille sausage. Okay? All right. 13 and a half ounces of andouille sausage. Now, if you want to spice it up, as I often do, Get andouille sausage and Polish sausage, cut the packages in half, freeze half of each, oh. and now you're using two sausages. Okay. In other words, it's another way. And they taste differently when you're actually doing it. And I often do that in all my rice pots. Now we're really seeing how the sausage absolutely, is made. Absolutely, absolutely. Teaspoon of olive oil. One big tea. Sorry, one small tea olive That's oil. That's right, something small tea. That, <laughs> got it. Got, you are on task. Barely today. on it. Small onion, diced. A small onion, diced. Two teaspoon minced garlic. Two little tea minced garlic. If you like garlic, you can double that to four. Sure, always do that. Okay, three mini sweet peppers, seeded and diced. A yellow squash. Yellow squash, you know, those long kind of yellow squash. You know, cut them into little moons and then half moons. Oh, one yellow squash mm-hmm. sliced into half mm-hmm. moons. That's right. A zucchini, do the same thing. Same thing, one zucchini. Mm-hmm. You're going to use some salt and pepper, of course. S&P. 
one and a half cups of white rice. One and a half cups of white rice. Yeah, and I probably would use medium grain white rice in this, mm-hmm. although you can certainly use a, a long grain white rice, whatever you have. Okay. I do not use an instant rice, that's for sure. Uh, four and a half cups of veggie stock, or you could use chicken stock. All right, four and a half cups of vegetable stock. Or chicken stock. Or chicken stock. That's right, half teaspoon of turmeric, and I said it correctly. You really did. Half uh, little tea turmeric. I have blown it out. I don't call it turmeric anymore. Call it turmeric. Even my yeah. daughter yelled at me and she said, blah, 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 blah. There were some swear words in there. <laughs> Why don't you get it right? It's turmeric, Dad. <laughs> never again. And I thought, about. never again. That's my daughter. It's my daughter. Good for her. Yeah, good, good for her. Shouting at me for mispronouncing it when we were making a recipe. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I never forgave her. All right, half a little tea, turmeric. <laughs> I did forgive her. A tomato dice. If you don't have a tomato, you can use a can of diced tomatoes. You wait, your children will grow up and they'll. They'll, They'll have opinions. Well, when they're teenagers, they definitely have opinions. Yeah. <laughs> They'll be embarrassed by you. Oh, Dad. <laughs> I feel like I've already started with that. Yeah. One tomato diced? It's when they roll their eyes oh, that you know you really have My five-year-old daughter just yes, did that yesterday for the first time. And her my wife eyes. and I looked at each other that's and we said, that's was it. that an eye roll? Okay, that's, an eye that's roll. a new chapter. That's right, that's right. Turning the yeah. page. Do you know gorillas roll their eyes? Dude, I did not yeah, know All that. primates roll their eyes. Really? Yes, they do. Oh. All primates roll their eyes. It's very interesting. <laughs> yeah, the bonobos, they all roll their eyes. Wow. I thought I'd give you some. No, you that's know, good. Some, some, what's her name who worked with the gorillas and blocking on... I think Jane Goodall might have also That's done it. research on eye rolling in primates. Nonetheless, I've said turmeric, you're not rolling your eyes. All right. Like I said, <laughs> tomato diced or a can of tomatoes and a tablespoonful of parsley. Fresh All right. One big tea, minced fresh That's parsley. Right. So take the andouille sausage, slice it into like thin coins, add some olive oil to a large nonstick pan over medium heat, and the sausage and the onion saute until it's seared and brown. You really want to do it. Then... Add the garlic, pepper, squash, zucchini, season with salt, pepper lightly, saute again for another two minutes. The sausage was in there. Uh, you want to have the zucchini and squash to have a little bite. You want it to be sort of, uh, you know, oh, al dente. You right? got that right. I was oh, wondering wow. if you were going to say that I one was, right. I'm reading the recipe yeah. and I'm saying, can I do it? Al dente. Can I do it? Yep. Can I do it? I get two points today. You, that's two things. You know, that means I can get ice cream <laughs> after dinner tonight. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Add rice to the pan with sausage and veggies. Continue to stir with, to get in all the flavors. Add the stock and the turmeric. Bring it to a simmer. Cover and cook till it's done, about 15 minutes. Fold in the diced tomatoes at the end. Once again, it can be from a can of the parsley. And you've got a one-dish andouille sausage rice pot. Easy to do. You can get that online at zorbapastor.org. Again, that's zorbapastor.org. My name and org, which is not my name, dot org. <laughs> yeah, who's that's org? That's right. That's right. <laughs> Who is org? I've Who been asking org? that for you. Org. Well, he's probably, you know, he's probably like, you know, a, a cartoon from character. a Tolkien book, okay. maybe? Yeah, org. 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 Sure. Sure. Okay. <laughs> wow, that was a real dead end. <laughs> Let's give the number 1 800 462 7413. That's 1 800 462 7413. All right, let's go back to the phones now and help out a caller in St. Paul, Minnesota. Hi. Hi. How can we help? Um, well, I'm a 71 year old male, and mm-hmm. um, I've had two extended uh, respiratory illnesses. Oh. Uh, one of those uh, just concluded uh, in mid December after start starting in mid September. Uh-huh. Wait, wait a um, minute. You've had two extended. You're 71. So you had two extended yep. illnesses um, in the hospital. Or tell me a little bit more about it. No. Um, the most recent one was um, chronic bronchitis. Oh, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so initially um, he had given me albuterol mm-hmm. um, inhaler. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, I continued to mm-hmm. uh, take Claritin D12 mm-hmm. generic uh-huh. sure. and sometimes to mm-hmm. wean myself from it would just take a Sudafed generic um, sure. and, and or an mm-hmm. antihistamine. Uh-huh. And, Gargled mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so you have this bronchitis that just wasn't good, and this was the second episode? Yeah, I had an extended period in 2012 mm-hmm. where it started around the ho- Christmas uh-huh. holidays mm-hmm. and continued till mm-hmm. um, sure. mid-May. Mm-hmm. Um, 
finally went away. Um, saw pul- pulmonologist a mm-hmm. couple times oh, on regular talks, okay. Okay. two so, or three times. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it was really significant if you went to see a pulmonologist. You had a bunch of tests. Did they conclude anything from the tests? Anything going on with your lungs? Not, not really. I actually Good. have another uh, mm-hmm. appointment scheduled mm-hmm. with a pulmonologist. Mm-hmm. I should tell mm-hmm. you, um, on my third appointment, mm-hmm. I was given um, Dulera mm-hmm. inhaler, um, mm-hmm. and, and quite frankly, that seemed to help significantly. Okay. Yeah. So but, these are different medications we give for COPD. They can be steroid medications, anti-inflammatory medications, long-acting beta agonist medications, and sometimes you got to find the right the right thing. And so, how can we help? Well, I'm just frustrated. I'm sure. always fearful whenever mm-hmm. I start getting cold cold symptoms mm-hmm. that uh, it's going to go into the sure. extended. Yeah. Um, variety again. Um, it just so happens that my wife and I took care of our um, two grandchildren, mm-hmm. uh, six, uh, a three-month-old mm-hmm. and a three-and-a-half. Mm-hmm. And the three-and-a-half uh, received a notice on Friday, mm-hmm. the day after we mm-hmm. left, that there was something running through and came down with some virus, right, and my right. wife got severely right. ill. Yeah, there's um, always um, children are petri dishes of disease. Right, you know, at that age, and they so have all those I, viruses. I just started getting symptoms yeah. last night. Mm-hmm. I'm actually going in for a flu test to see sure. if I can get Tamiflu. Yeah. Well, let me again, ask you because let, I'm just so yeah, fearful. Yeah. <clears throat> let me ask you a few questions. I've got some. First of all, you've been immunized for COVID, the most recent immunization. Yes. I'm totally up to date on that, as well as RSV. And you got RSV. And flu. So that's good. So you've got all of that. Uh, You're going to see your grandchildren, you know, they're going to bring home disease. They're going to have viruses. Right. And you know what? You're going to get sick. That's what's going to happen. The real thing to ask your pulmonologist and your doc is, if you've got, if this occurs and you start having symptoms, you know, you want to know what to take. Now, first of all, the false negative rate for the flu test is 40%. So a negative influenza test doesn't mean you don't have influenza. So I just want to tell you that. So if there's influenza going around, your doctor may want to give you Tamiflu because you're with your, you know, you're with your infant. So you should find out, may want to find out from the school if that's what's happening because it is influenza season. And if that's the case, if you called our office, we'd give you Tamiflu because the test is not reliable. It's not a reliable test. I mean, it's reliable if it's positive. You know, a true positive is there, but a false, but they have too many false negatives. Um, And then the question for the pulmonologist is, well, first of all, you had bad case in 2012 and 2024. That's pretty good. I mean, you know, you was, it was 12 years in between those cases. That's not so bad. And you may just be sensitive to different viruses. But you want to ask, in an emergency situation, I'm coming down, should I take something like prednisone for three to five days? Is that going to make a difference? I, that's what I've asked the pulmonologist. You know, should I have a prednisone pack? Or should I have a Z-pack, azithromycin, which is doesn't work for viruses but works for bacterial infections if you've got a fever greater than 100.5? As an adult, those, those are those are actually prescribed to me at the end of November when I. So got, you're so the question you want to ask is, can I do it myself? In other words, it's prescribed. Can I have it there? And if I start to feel sick, should I just take a five day course of things and then I have it on hand so I don't have to wait to see you? In other words, you're smart. You sound like you're smart. You're intelligent. You're a public radio listener. You can tell them that. Hey, I'm a public radio listener. <laughs> okay. You know, I got my specs. You know, I earned it. I listen to public go. radio. But says, sure, we'll give it to you. You look like a responsible adult. You're not going to sell prednisone on the street. You're going to keep, keep it. <laughs> Carl likes that. See? See, there's a market for that. It's a market. Hey, for for old people who get sick, there's a market for prednisone. There's a market for everything, Carl. We okay. live in a capitalistic. Gotcha. capitalist society. Sure. But anyway, that's the real issue is should you have it on there? So you, you hit it right away and you might overhit it. But once again, the flu test, positive is going to tell you something, negative does not. So you've got your marching orders. I hope that helps. Thank you very much, Dr. Zorba. I pre- appreciate the advice. And, and thanks. And thanks for, enjoy your show. And, oh, thanks for listening okay. to the show. I really appreciate it. Thank okay. You. Take care. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for that call at 800-462-7413. That's 1-800-462-7413.
All right, before the break, Zorba, you look a little too comfortable over there in, in your mesh-backed office chair, sipping your room-temperature bottled water. So, so let's do that segment where you get yelled at. Here's another edition of Disagreeing with the Doc. All right, the following email is from a listener named Diane who writes... Hello, Zorba. Sometimes callers express that they are having trouble with their doctors. I've often... <laughs> it happens. It happens. I've often heard you advise them, quote, you need to change doctors, end quote. Right. However, there are a number of reasons that that advice may not be feasible. Transportation problems, scarcity okay. of doctors in the okay. area, uh-huh. limited choice due to networks, uh-huh. et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Okay. I can see them hanging up mm-hmm. discouraged and saying, there's nothing I can do. Uh-huh. Could you please mm-hmm. give them some mm-hmm. advice mm-hmm. about how to approach uh-huh. a doctor uh-huh. who doesn't seem to listen mm-hmm. or offer the help they need? Mm-hmm. Sometimes changing doctors is not an option. Uh-huh. Thank you for considering uh-huh. this. Well, I think, uh, I think the writer question. brings up a really good yeah. question. So the first thing you have to do, I mean, that you would do is say, I don't think you're listening to me. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that does it. It's like shocking. It snaps like, you out of it? Or? Yeah, but you say it in a nice way. I don't think you're listening to me. I, is there something wrong? Are you having a bad day? Mm-hmm. That immediately changes things. It does. Well, because it changes the whole wah, the whole feeling of the room. Mm-hmm. Especially who, do, who says to somebody in sort of an authority position, are you having a bad day? Because all of a sudden it may actually shock them into something else. And they may then say, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. And then you say, let me tell you what I'm talking about. So really, that is a good, that is a good point. You know, I'm not, and, I, and I really don't recommend if you're having trouble that you switch right away. I do recommend that you try some other things. First of all, Actually, everything that was the limitation of doctors, the choices in the system, all those things are there. But if you're not getting the answer ultimately that you need to have, you do try and often you will find somebody. But I think approaching it in a very nice, pleasant way can make a difference and asking them. So good point. Mm -hmm. Thank you for clarifying that. Do you disagree with the good doc? Don't find a new radio doctor. Zorba will listen. We promise. <laughs> Just post on our Facebook page or send us an email at <laughs> Zorba at WPR.org. You're listening, That's right? right? You listen to me. I'm listening now. <laughs> I'm listening this moment. But I'm laughing. I can't listen okay. between laughing. It is hard to do both. We have much more of the show to come. We have more of your calls. We'll tackle another interesting healthy living topic and more of your voicemails as well. So keep your radio or computer phone Right here on Zorba Pastor on your health. Christensen in Buck Studio with Dr. Zorba Pastor. The number to call is 800-462-7413. That's 1-800-462-7413. But before we get back to those calls, Zorba, you're, I see you're holding a bottle of water right now. Well, and you, you're reading the ingredients. Right. On, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, shouldn't it just be water? Right. Why are there so ingredients in water? So it says purified water. Okay. okay. Right. And then in tiny letters that I can't read without my glasses, it said with minerals added for taste. For so taste. first of all, but purified is in great big letters. So you assume it's here. Now here are the ingredients in this bottle of in water bottle of made water. by a major company. Sure. Okay? <clears throat> major company. Mm-hmm. Purified water is number one. That's just good. as you would That's a good say. start. Potassium bicarbonate. Okay. Why are they adding that? Sodium bicarbonate. Okay. Okay, they're adding that. Calcium citrate. Okay. Calcium citrate. Sodium chloride. They're putting salt in there. There's a little salt. Okay. Magnesium oxide. Okay. These are ingredients 
in a bottle of water. Of purified water. And people look and they go, I'm having purified water. No, you're not. You're having purified water with stuff in it. Right. And then there's an article out of Columbia University published in the procedures of the National Academy of Sciences. So that's like the New England Journal, very important, about nanoplastics. And microplastics and nanoplastics are in bottled water. Mm. And these are several studies that really looked at nanoplastics, and they were in large amounts. This particular study found that three popular plastic water bottle brands, they did not mention in the study, unnamed in the research, had 10 to 100 times greater amounts of nanoplastics than previously estimated. Okay, just real quick, nanoplastics, I'm reading from the article. Those are tiny plastic particles that are smaller than 0.001 millimeters. Very tiny. They go in the body. We don't notice it. It crosses the brain-blood barrier. In other words, Mm -hmm. so it can go into your brain. We don't really know exactly whether that's back, whether or not it interacts with brain proteins. We don't know much about it. We know it's in the GI tract. It migrates to certain systemic tissues. We don't know much about nanoplastics. Mm -hmm. And here it is. But we do know that we are drinking enormous amounts of bottles. Water. Sure. No matter where you go, right. it's cheap and you get bottled water. Mm-hmm. So if you want to cut down on nanoplastics in your bottled water, the way to do it is, and if you like bottled water, you don't want to trust your tap water. Right, because some tap, communities need to use bottled water. Some, most do not. Right. There's a lot of issues involved, <clears throat> and we won't go into that right now. That's but if you want to cut down yeah. on nanoplastics, you buy a gallon of bottled water because it may have some nanoplastics, but don't have less than this two, than this two cup, you know, this one mm-hmm. pint bottled water, and then put it in your own bottle and make sure your own bottle has no nanoplastics. You know, you can buy plastic bottles that do not have nanoplastics. They advertise it, they do it, they test it, mm-hmm. and then fill it up at home or fill it up from a water fountain sure. and stop buying it. Look at the amount of landfill in this plastic bottles, mm-hmm. and they're all over the place oh, yeah. when you can get it. So I think it's time for us to look at these small plastic bottles not only as a waste of resource because it's plastic. Well, you know where plastic comes from, fossil fuels. Petroleum? Yeah. Sure. And so get rid of that and start bringing your own water and use less plastic by buying larger water at home. And once again, we don't know. I mean, I'm not worried that much about nanoplastics. On the other hand, that's because I don't know much about nanoplastics. But if this thing crosses the brain-blood barrier to my brain, mm-hmm. which I did not know until I read the article, what is that going to do to me 50 years later? We won't and know for we a long time. And are we going to find that nanoplastics are associated with things like Alzheimer's or dementia? We're not going to know that. Mm-hmm. So the reality is don't drink as much bottled water where you bottle buy the bottle yourself take a little bit of you know take a little bit of energy and fill up your own bottle at home and you will cut down on nanoplastics 800-462-7413 that's 1-800-462-7413 all right back to the phones we go let's help out a caller in spokane washington hi hi how can we help well, I um, want to inquire about uh, the doctor's opinion regarding mm-hmm. uh, some test results I got. Sure. I'm 81 years old. 81. I'm very active. You don't, you don't sound um, like you're 81. You sound like sound like you're in your 60s. <laughs> well, I feel I feel that way. Uh-huh. I um, I bike. I play mm-hmm. tennis. I Great. do extensive weight training. Wonderful. Um, Wonderful. But uh, my sister had a um, a. A widowmaker, a cardiac event. She was asymptomatic, and did she die or did she survive? No, no, mm-hmm. she she survived. She called, uh, fortunately called nine one one, and they said, "Unlock your door, we're on the way." And mm-hmm. uh, sounds great. So that that was the right thing. Yeah. So I took it upon myself to get um, a CT calcium scan mm-hmm. because yeah. her doctor uh-huh. said if we'd known you had that level, we might have been able to prevent this. So I did had that scan done. And along with that, um, a cardiologist that I started seeing uh, did an LPA blood test and another one that was a B protein of a similar kind. So he did some and the and other tests. From all those were terrible. <laughs> yeah, right. And you've got, a, you've got a sister with it. So you had a positive calcium store. So what are you on? What medicines are you on? Well, I'm. Um, he changed me from um, atorvastatin to uh, pravastatin and another drug that begins with an E that's supposed to complement that. I, I don't have that. Right. Uh-huh. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
And I'm going to get a virtual second opinion from the Cleveland Clinic to complement his um, information, and then we'll see where we go from there. But so few people have this test. That's what bothers me. No. Well, first of all, you're getting a third opinion, see, because yeah. I'm the second opinion. Yeah. <laughs> see, now you're now getting Well, we don't do calcium scoring. We don't do it. There's no evidence that we should do it routinely and then act on it. So that's why it's, it's not a screening test for, for this. It was thought to be a screening test when it first came out, but it's not. Not an expensive test. Okay. So why don't people get it? They don't. But, it, but sometimes it's useful in making a decision. So here it is. You're 81, and that's the thing about heart disease. We often don't know who gets it. And the first, you know, unfortunately, the first symptom of heart disease often is sudden death, and that occurs in around a third of the time, roughly. But the screening tests are not very good. There are a lot of false negatives. So, you know, the use screening tests that we usually do actually are lipid levels. I mean, that's a very good screening test. Has your cholesterol been up or your LDL or your bad cholesterol over the years in the past? No, no. Uh, total cholesterol, 138, HDL, 52, LDL, 72, triglycerides, 74. No signs. So these were no good. And, the, and these were numbers without med. I want to know what the numbers were without medications. So what you do is the best, the screening that we know of, and there, you know, we look at age. Uh, there's basically a Framingham Heart Study, a little checklist which goes in the electronic medical record. You look up age. You look at the family history is not taken into consideration. Of course, should be obviously with your with her children. Does she have any children? Your sister. Um. Yeah, yeah, she does. My mm -hmm. sister did, and, and I have two children, and they're all four alerted now that there's an issue. They all had to have their cholesterol checked because there's now a family history. And that adds to a lot. The fact that you have a family history, which is not taken into consideration uh, as well as it should be in terms of discussions. But then you just do blood tests. You don't do, you don't really don't have to do the calcium check. And you make a decision. So you've been on cholesterol meds for how long? Probably 15 years, but good. only 20 milligrams. Yeah, so, but that's okay. Uh, but, but, so what happened 15 years ago? That's very good. You've been at it for 15 years. Your cholesterol must have been elevated, right? I, I had enough of an mm -hmm. elevation that the general practitioner mm -hmm. at that time thought I should start seeing a cardiologist. And that was in Arizona, and then I stopped seeing one for about five years when I moved to Washington. Yeah. Did you stop taking your medication then for five years? No. Uh-uh. You, well, you stopped seeing the cardiologist, but you saw somebody to get the refill on the medication, right? Oh, yeah. General okay. practitioner yeah. when I changed. Yeah, you, cities, don't, need, yeah, you uh, don't need a cardiologist to be, to be put on the meds. You don't need, no, I mean, you don't, right. but the reality is then 15 years ago, they did something for you that probably changed the trajectory of what's going on. In other words, you've been on this medicine that we know reduces heart attacks and strokes dramatically. You know, people write me and say, oh, statins do this, statins do that. Forget about it. Everything has pluses and minuses. Statins, like high blood pressure medicines, have been a major change. And that's why people are living so long. So you've actually been on medicine for 15 years. And then yeah. it got changed because you've got a calcium score. There's a little bit of an anti-inflammatory in there uh, that, you know, that, that we know that statins do. And now they decided to put a stim B because, you know, which is another drug that may or may not help with this. So you've actually been getting treatment for 16 years. That's pretty good because of a blood screening yeah. test. Well, 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 doctor, the, the two blood tests, the uh, LP, lowercase a, and the other protein B, though, why, those blood tests both showed that I had a problem. Why aren't those blood tests part of a routine lipid? We don't do them as screening tests because they haven't been proven to be worthwhile. We don't do extra tests until we actually prove with double-dying controlled studies that you're going to make a difference. The reality is they may not have made a difference if the tests were done 15 years ago. Because you've been on a medicine for 15 years. So doing the simple cholesterol blood test led you to be put on medicine for 15 years, which may be why you made it to the age of 81 without a heart attack. So you've got good care for, with the screening test for the last 15 years. And I think Cleveland Clinic might say yes or no, we want to change things a little bit. You've been on a statin for 15 years. Congratulations. You're healthy. You're doing a good job. And you exercise, yeah. and you're active, and you're vibrant. You're doing everything right. Yeah. Congratulations. You've okay. got a good man. I'm now, 
uh, a second opinion. Now you're going to get a third opinion. That's right. See? That's right. And I, and I don't even take insurance. No? That's right. <laughs> Thanks for your okay, call. Okay, thank you. Thanks for sharing. Thank you, you take Dr. care. Bye-bye. You're welcome. Thanks so much for that call at 800-462-7413. That's 1-800-462-7413. All right, Zorba, it's time for a fully licensed and accredited medical physician <laughs> to clear cut through the clickbait and take on the almighty internet. This is Google Doc. Okay, Zorba, this is an email from TC in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. TC writes, Hi, Dr. Pastor. A year ago, I was diagnosed with enlarged BPH. That's mm-hmm. benign prostatic hypertrophy, hyperplasia. Right. Mm-hmm. I've been researching the internet, mm-hmm. trying to find out which food helps make BPH mm-hmm. glands shrink mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. which aggravate them. Mm-hmm. After spending a considerable amount of time searching the internet, mm-hmm. I found out mm-hmm. that all the advice that I read mm-hmm. and heard uh-huh. contradict each other. <laughs> it happens a lot, Shocking. it seems like. <laughs> Shocking. Really? Yeah. This is yeah, this is a common thing. One site says that soy milk is not good for people with BPH. Uh-huh. Another says it is beneficial, especially uh-huh. in a sure. form of soy yogurt mm-hmm. and tofu. Mm-hmm. The same goes for milk and milk mm-hmm. products. One site says all milk and milk products are uh-huh. not good. Mm-hmm. Another site says that skim milk is okay. Mm-hmm. Same goes for meat. Uh-huh. Eggs. Mm-hmm. Eggs was a no-no all uh-huh. the way, uh-huh. I guess. Uh-huh. And others. Uh-huh. At the end, I'm back to where I started. Mm-hmm. Still no clue. Mm-hmm. Could you please shed some light on mm-hmm. the best diet uh-huh. for BPH health, uh-huh. if any? Thanks. There is no there is no diet. Nothing. For, nothing. nothing. It, it doesn't. But okay. the Mediterranean diet is always a good diet. Okay. So when there's no diet, fall back to the med diet. I thought you were Because that's say a that. good diet for health. But there's nothing that's going to help your BPH, nothing that we know of. Okay. Uh, there are medicines that can help your BPH, so you can keep from any surgical procedures. There are a variety of surgical procedures. There are, of course, medicines uh, that can really help shrink. Finasteride mm-hmm. uh, is a medication that can help shrink it. You have to take it. Forever, and that along with a drug called tamsulosin can really help the BPH symptoms. They're both, you know, prescriptions from doctors. But unfortunately, nothing is going to help BPH, including the horseradish diet that some people what's recommend. Ho- what's that? Eat horseradish three times a day, <laughs> and you take horseradish, hot horseradish. I like horseradish. And you, you have a try three times a day. Have you had it with Cheerios? <laughs> no, Let me no, tell you, never. Horseradish and Cheerios? I don't think so. They don't go together. <laughs> they don't I go had together. A beef sandwich the other day yeah, and put yeah. a bunch of horse, horseradish horse, sauce on uh, it. Well, it was great. How's, how's your prostate? I, it's okay, I guess. Yeah, I guess. That's it. <laughs> it's the horseradish. It. Maybe it's the beef. <laughs> I don't know. Have a healthy living question for the good doc? Just post on our Facebook page or send us an email at Zorba at WPR.org. Let's do this again next week, Zorba. Okay. Maybe? Okay, fine. Okay. If you missed anything during the show or you just want to stream the show online anytime, visit us on the web. At ZorbaPastor.org. Of course, through Facebook. And don't forget, you can call us. Anytime. 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 That's our thing. Anytime. 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 I, anytime. I want to be the seven. last one to say anytime. Okay. Anytime. Okay. You did. You can say it, though, if you no, want. No, that's okay. Okay, anytime. <laughs> Leave us your question at 800-462-7413. Zorba Pastor on Your Health is a production of Wisconsin Public Radio. It is not intended as a medical diagnosis, so please do check with your doc. Our executive producer is me, Carl Christensen, and our technical director is Brad Kohlberg. Our theme music is by Leo and Ben Sidron. For Zorba Pastor, I'm Carl Christensen asking you to join us on the next ZorbaPastor.or. No, no. On your, it's on your health. Oh, it is on your health. Yeah. God, you know what happens? What happens is my brain immediately. <laughs> Man, goes we were there. ramping up so That's well it. right there. And Zorba Pastor on your health. Did you miss something on today's show? Simply go to ZorbaPastor.org to catch up on all things Zorba. There you will find recipes from the show, links to the Facebook page, Zorba's healthy living articles, and you can subscribe to the weekly podcast. On the web, that's ZorbaPastor.org.